Gary Shaw, a member of our class here, uh, President of Shaw Financial. And uh, we just wanted to share with you some of the things that happened. This is going to be a wrestling match up here today, okay? We, we're going to be talking and having fun. So, Gary, would you please talk? <laughs> Ray, Ray and I don't have any trouble with this at all. We, we can do that. But this is a, a, a great opportunity we had. I've been to my seventh uh, prayer breakfast. Uh, turn your mic on there, just the, the button there, push it up. <clears throat> okay, this is my seventh one. So you've been how many times, Gary? This is my third year. Third year. Ray, how many? Six. Six years. <clears throat> so uh, we've been part of this uh, little uh, team together, and so we're going to start here, if you will, about the National Prayer Breakfast, and Ray has been involved in leadership, so Ray's going to kind of give you an overview of what this thing is. Okay, so a couple of things I want to say right off the bat is uh, as CEO of Water 4, I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment and just say thank you, Crossings, for your participation in what we're doing all around the world. Every day, uh, because of Crossings and folks like you, we're seeing about three water wells put in around the world. And what that means is that 100 children uh, won't die, literally won't die, because of what you're doing uh, through Crossings and what you're doing at the Water 4. So thank you for that. Thank you for that opportunity. I, there's, another, there's another thing I need, need to do. I need to get this clear right up front. How, how many of you have read the story about Isaac and Rebecca, and they had two sons? One was Esau, and, and one was Jacob, right? Okay, well, we have the same last name. We come from the same tribe. Yeah. Let's just put it this way. I'm the smooth-skinned one. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, it's smooth, yeah. Yeah. But anyway... Cliff and I, Cliff and I have a lot of fun together. We play off of each other, and uh, so anyway, it's the National Prayer Breakfast is something that came to me via Africa. If you can actually believe that, um, I led a group of guys along with some other guys here in Oklahoma City, and we went at, to do water wells with some professional athletes. You may have heard of Pros for Africa. I helped put that together, and we went and we wanted to do a competition with some of Bob Goff's drillers and one of the things we wanted to do is we wanted to stop along the way and see sister rosemary and what she's doing uh, she's an amazing amazing woman uh, and what all she is accomplishing with women who have literally been macheted and cut up and hatcheted uh, by the lord's resistance army and how she is bringing them back into restitution and teaching them about the, uh, the principles and teachings of jesus and so um, I actually was there with a group of leaders. One of the things I love to do is I love to take leaders with me on trips. And when we were there, I, I got to meet some of the guys from the National Prayer Breakfast. They invited me to go and meet a man named Doug Coe, who has since become kind of a leader of um, the National Prayer Breakfast, and asked me to go on a retreat with them before I actually went to my first National Prayer Breakfast. Wow. The thing that I will awesome. remember most is that I was in a hotel with about a hundred of leaders from the National Prayer Breakfast and we were held up in this hotel for about a week. And my wife and I, I'm a recovering Baptist, okay? And and so, can I see, a, can I get a witness? Uh, all right. And so, uh, I'm a recovering Baptist and so I was at this retreat with all of these folks and we, we were having a great time but the thing that uh, I was overcome with, people from all around the world, was the incredible love, the incredible love that you felt. Now, I'm a churchman. I go to church. I attend church. I go to Council Road Baptist Church. I'm on hooky today for my pastor. But the bottom, the bottom line is there was something about these people that I could not, I could not understand. And, and, and what I came to find out, find out, Cliff, and Gary, you guys experienced this at the National Prayer Breakfast, their focus wasn't on whether I was a Baptist. It wasn't whether or not I was a church of God. It wasn't whether or not I was a assembly of God. In fact, their, their emphasis wasn't even whether I was a Muslim or a Jew or whatever. But what they wanted to know is, is, where was I with Jesus? 
and they, they, they chose to lift up the name of Jesus, and they decided just to love on people. Mm-hmm. And we were so overcome by that, we thought, we've got to go to the National Prayer Breakfast. <laughs> and so that's, that's when I got introduced to the National Prayer Breakfast. I, like Cliff, went with another state. And as a result, I found a lot of other Okies that were there, and they kind of made me the guy for Oklahoma City. And then Cliff and I, on his porch, we figured out that we both had gone, and now he comes with the Oklahoma delegation. But here's what I want you to think about. Here in about three seconds, I want, on the count of three, I want you to scream out, I want you to scream out the top of your lungs, either the denomination that you grew up in, I want you to scream out the denomination you're in, or the denomination you wish you were a part of, okay? So, on the count of three, are you ready? One, two, three. Church of God. Oh, wasn't that awesome? Yeah. Now, if you look in the scripture, in, in John 12, 32, one of the things that Jesus says is, is, is if I be lifted up, I will draw all men Man. unto me. Now, are you ready? On three, let's just say Jesus. Are you ready? One, two, three. Jesus. Wasn't that amazing? Different. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. You see, the National Prayer Breakfast, it takes a lot of heat. If you're conservative, they're too liberal. If you're liberal, they're too conservative. Yeah. A lot of people think that they're the mafia of Washington, D.C. because their emphasis is on government officials. But here is what I have come to learn. The principles and teachings of Jesus are what are at the the heart of the National Prayer Breakfast. And what their focus is, is to lift up the name of Jesus, inviting people literally from all around the world to come and lift up the name of Jesus, to learn about this Nazarene, that what, what he taught what were his principles, and what did he stand for? Because here is what they have found, and here is the secret sauce. And let me tell you something. This will apply to your life, and it will apply to crossings, and it's this. Forget the labels. Forget the denomination. Forget your agenda. Just making, make loving God and loving others your, your purpose, and lift up the name of Jesus, and watch what happens when our daddy goes to work. You see, what happens is it's not the National Christian Prayer Breakfast. It's not the Southern Baptist Convention gathering. It's not the global gathering of the Church of God. It is the National Prayer Breakfast, and what they have done is they have drawn all men into that building, into, the, into that hotel, 3,500 people from all around the world that they might lift up the name of Jesus. Now, I know what you're thinking. What about the four spiritual laws? What about <laughs> Romans 10, 9, and 10? What about all those things? Can I just tell you, this is what the prayer breakfast has decided. They're counting on you. Because what happens is they have little small groups that they set up. And they invite people, Muslims, Palestinians, Jews, all around the world. Because all of those people, all of those people love Jesus. They're just tired of Christians. Now that may offend you. But if you think about what some of our brothers have done in the name of Christ, and what some of us have done in the name of Christ... I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm just worn out on our people. And, you know, we claim to be a Christian nation, and I don't know if you watched the debate last night, but that was just flat-out ridiculous. It was just flat-out ridiculous. And Governor Beasley, who's now taking over part of the the, the leadership for the prayer breakfast, one of the things he said in front of all these politicians this year, he says, guys, Democrat, Republican, Independent, Liberal, I don't know who you are. Can I give you the solution? Can I give you the solution for our country? I just pray this. Put your political agenda aside. But for 30 days, House, 30 days, Senate, 30 days, Mr. President, 30 days, uh, Supreme Court justices, 
This is what I want you to do. I want you to focus on loving like Jesus for 30 days. I want you to love God and love others. And all you people that are in the crowd, I want you to focus on one thing. I want you to focus on loving like Jesus. Love God and love others. Now, folks, you know as well as I do, our country will be changed overnight. I don't care if you part your hair with a comb over or you don't have any hair like me. The bottom line is if we would do that, he would, be, he would lift up his name. I want to close on one thing, and then I know Cliff's saying, Ray's just hogging it right from the start. <laughs> no, I'm not. I want, I, want to, I want to read something. Technology. Here we go. Now i got to have these. <laughs> I want to read a passage for you out of Matthew 16, 12 mm. through 17. I want to read this passage, but I'm going, to, I'm going to be a little bit, I'm going to take creative poetic license, Okay. I want to read this passage, and I want us to think about that we're all in the boat with Jesus. We're all in the boat, right? And this is what it says. When Jesus came to the region of northwest Oklahoma City, <laughs> he asked his friends, who do you say I am? Well, they replied, and this is me again being poetic, some say a carpenter, some say a good man, and others say a rabbi. Or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? And then it says, Simon Peter asked, or answered, Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. You see, we think that we got to do God's work. And what we really need to do is we need to get out of the way and let God do his work. And that's what happens at the National Prayer Breakfast. They bring people there. They lift up the name of Jesus. And all they basically say to people while they're there is, who do you say he is? If you're a Jew, who do you say Jesus is? If you're a Muslim, who do you say Jesus is? And then all the believers that are there, the current followers of Jesus, they relax. And they ask that question. And when they do, conversations start to happen. And guess what happens? The Holy Spirit and Daddy goes to work. And then people know him as the Son of God and the Messiah and our Savior. That's what happens at the National Prayer Breakfast. And that's why we get so stinking pumped about it. That's why we can go as Church of God and Baptist Assemblies of God and what have you. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's all I have to say for now. Well, right, yeah. <laughs> that's the genius of it, that we talk about Jesus and let him do the work. And uh, it, it, it wrecked me seven years ago. I've told you guys that how that I had allowed religion and other things get in the way to where I didn't talk about Jesus that much. So, okay, so here we go. So that's, uh, that's us uh, getting there. Uh, this is how we got around. I am now an Uber expert. And uh, if you need any t teaching on this, I'll be glad to show you. Uh, the first night we got together, we met at Old Ebbett Grill. And uh, the Oklahoma delegation got together. And we met some friends and some people. Gary, you, you meet a couple of friends there? Oh, yeah. yeah, I apologize. We're going to have to pass this back and forth, but uh, this way I can hang on to it for a little bit. <laughs> Starting to look a lot like last night's debate already. <laughs> yeah, it is. Now we know where they get it. Well, anyway, at this, uh, <laughs> at this first uh, dinner, we uh, get together just as the Oklahoma contingent and there's a, a few of us from Oklahoma City and, and a bigger group from Tulsa. Uh, but it's, it's neat to sit in that room and see that uh, right here in our state, there's some uh, pretty powerful, uh, influential people uh, that are following Jesus. 
and gathering together in, D in D.C. for the National Prayer Breakfast to meet with other followers of Jesus and just share our stories and get to hear the stories of other people. And uh, we're really fortunate here in Oklahoma to have some of the uh, original uh, starters or, or leaders of the National Prayer Breakfast that uh, started 41 years, years ago working together from Oklahoma State University um, as college students. So we'll tell a little bit more about those guys later, but uh, that was a, a great start to the week. Yeah, the first leadership, uh, student leadership thing that was ever started with Chuck Colson, Doug Coe start, got it going, who's the godfather of all this, started at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma started the first student leadership ever in the United States, and it goes all around the world now. Uh, I sat by, it, you know, they always tell you, Ray has this idea, would you call it God winkings? God winks. Yeah, God winks at you and puts you in a place that you didn't plan. I sat down at the table, and I, you know, I knew a couple of these people. I sat down, and so we're talking and eating dinner. And uh, a lady sitting beside me was obviously from Middle East, from the Middle East. I'm thinking, this is from Oklahoma. What are you doing here? You know, and uh, I, we start talking. And uh, her name was Zaida uh, Shakar. I'm probably messing it up here. And we start talking, and I find out that she's an ambassador, a diplomat with the uh, Moroccan government. Now, this is where, uh, again, the prayer breakfast opened my mind up and caused me to look in other places. And I said, you're from Morocco? Yes. Do you know about? Now, back on uh, January 27th, 250 Muslim scholars and clerics got together in Marrakesh with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And <clears throat> Y'all remember that song? <clears throat> I just thought that went up. You're I'm serious. And... and, and, and I said, you know, that in Marrakesh, there was what they call the Morocco Declaration, which was 250 scholars, 250 imams that came together that said that it is wrong in Islam for there to be violence. It is misreading the Quran to believe that you can persecute other religions. It was a monumental meeting that none of the American media picked up on. I can't find anywhere except Christianity Today ran an article on it. You want to look at it. it's called the Morocco Declaration uh, in Christianity Today. I haven't seen any news media, any feed. This was a monumental moment for hundreds of scholars and hundreds of imams and like that. And so I looked at her and I said, "Do you know about that?" And she goes, "I put it together." <laughs> and, and 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 I said, "What?" She said, "I help organize it and put it together." And I'm back in the states and and I said. And she handed me her card, and I said, I'll be talking to you. <clears throat> Those are the kind of God moments. I mean, I'd read about this. I knew about it. I had, uh, it, it was fascinating me. I've got uh, uh, the hand, you know, I, I printed out. So let me, let me give you an example of that as well. <clears throat> Three years ago, I was sitting at a table like this in our regional dinner, and across from me was a young African man who had a scar for him. And uh, with the travels that I do in water for, you begin to pick up on flags and things like that. And I asked him, I said, are you from Kenya? And he looked at me like I was a, a mystic or something, like, how would I know? And um, he said, yes, I am. And I come to find out that he was a medical doctor. He had come to uh, America to be a part of the National Prayer Breakfast. He had led the uh, student portion of the National Prayer Breakfast in Kenya. He had organized the first uh, presidential debate in Kenya, among the political leaders there. And I asked him, I said, so you're here part of the youth forum? He said, yes. I said, you've been here for two weeks? He said, yes. I said, when do you go back? He said, in a week. And I said, in my mind, went through that scripture, you know, I was a stranger and you let me in. 
And I said, Tom, I said, you don't know me from Adam, but how would you like to come out to the prairie? He looked at me at the prairie, and I said, yeah, how would you like to come out to Oklahoma? He says, I might be up for that. <laughs> and so, Tom, come up here for a second. Um, uh, Dr. Tom Amboya from Kenya. Now, this has become... This has become my Kenyan son. I kid you not. This is like my son. He, has come, he comes back every year after the National Prayer Breakfast and spends a week for, uh, with us. He's gotten to know all kinds of medical doctors. If you don't think the Lord is at work, he's, uh, he's accepting an award at Deaconess Hospital on Tuesday night uh, for the uh, Dr. Henry Kirkland Humanitarian Award in, uh, for Africa. Um, He's been here, and this is his third, third, third week or third time. This week, he spent all week. He's been in two open heart surgeries. He's met all the top surgeons in Oklahoma. Dr. Wong, a part of Crossings. Dr. Long, a part of Crossings. This guy, and I got connected through the National Prayer Breakfast. And that, if that doesn't tell you how the Lord is doing something around the world, he's a believer and a follower of Jesus, and uh, is is a leader. Tom, I'm going to put you on the spot. Just say 60 seconds as to what the National Prayer Breakfast has meant to you. 60 seconds shortly. Just, just say a word. This brother will bless you. He could speak three languages. We're going to ask him to speak in English. <laughs> um, you bet I would be more fluent in my tribal language, right? Um, so the National Prayer Breakfast uh, movement, um, I'm part of it in Kenya, and, and that is how I got invited to the one in the U.S., I uh, became a part of it entirely because of uh, the, the Christian uh, style of leadership that I was leading at the university and how I got involved in putting together the Kenya national uh, presidential debate for the election. More like what you'll have between the Democrats and the Republicans at the end of this. And it was purely trying to copy what happens in the U.S. And that is because uh, before that we had been having a lot of post-election violence in 2007, I'm not sure if some of you got wind of it, but around 1,300 Kenyans were killed as a result of the election. So when I was serving as the president of my university and the president of other university presidents, it's the body that brings together all university students in the country, I was leading that, we put together the, the idea for the presidential debate. Basically to bring all the leaders in one spot and have them tell the country what they would have uh, do for the country when they are elected. And one of the things, that the condition was that they would be peaceful. That mm. like all of them swore to not lead their supporters into the streets again to protest the elections. And all of this were, was something that we had been discussing in tables like this at the Kenya National uh, Prayer Breakfast Organizing Committee. So we have weekly meetings that, as a result of all these weekly meetings, brought together all of that. So that is just an example of what the prayer breakfast has done. All right. <laughs> Um, I, want you to, I want you to recognize, look, look real strongly into this face, uh, probably 15 to 20 years, the plans are for him to run for president of Kenya, all right? And so wouldn't it be awesome to have a leader like Tom? So thank you, Tom. We appreciate you. Well, most people uh, don't realize that the National Prayer Breakfast is actually a, a full two days worth of uh, lectures and meetings and things like that. It's not just the Thursday morning breakfast uh, with the president. But on Wednesday morning, one of the highlights of the trip is what they call the Middle East breakfast. And every year we get to hear some uh, great speakers from the Middle East come and, and share about loving Jesus. And this year, one of, the, one of the speakers that really stuck out to me was um, actually uh, 
not really originally from the Middle East, but uh, his name is Jeremy Courtney, and he's with a, an organization called Preemptive Love Coalition. And him and his wife and kids have been all over the Middle East uh, looking to minister and, and uh, focus on families. And one of the things that they discovered is there's a lot of children that are having heart defects and, and heart problems that here in the U.S. they would just you know, take them to the doctor and a surgeon would uh, fix those problems and, and their life would go on. But in the Middle East and in Africa, uh, a lot of these children don't make it very long at all. So Jeremy and his family have connected up with several surgeons, uh, vascular surgeons, heart surgeons, and in the Middle East, they're able to find these children and meet with these families and get them introduced to a physician that can then do the surgery that's needed. And then while they're uh, basically just loving on this family, they're able to share Jesus with them. And that is, to me, the biggest uh, thing that we learn as we're at the National Prayer Breakfast. And uh, yeah, thanks, Gary. Uh, check it, his ministry out. It's on. It's online called Preemptive Love Coalition. You can you can go find it. Samir, I can never remember Samir's last name. He speaks at this every once in a while. He's a, he's a he's a he grew up as a Muslim, lives in Lebanon, and according to Georgetown University, he's one of the top three most influential Muslims in the world. And Samir, Carl uh, Medeiros is a buddy of his, and Carl has said on different times. You know, I don't know that Samir believes in Jesus like I do. But it is palpably obvious that Samir respects Jesus. So I want to just tell you a real quick story on him. Samir was a young man growing up in Lebanon, and he was being taught the Quran, and he had a, 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 an American teacher. And he told the story that as he was growing up as a little boy, as he got to be a little older, he asked his imam, he said, you know, my teacher who teaches me English is an American, uh, and she's a Christian. Is she going to go to hell? And the imam says, regrettably so. Uh, and that certainly is the way some one read the Quran. What was fascinating was uh, Samir said, it, it, he said, it broke my heart. And here's a young man that said he began to pray for Mrs. Smith was her name. And he said, I began to read the Quran closely. And he said, and it's true, he said, I began to realize that Jesus shows up in the Quran more often than Muhammad. He's born of a virgin. There's a lot of talk about Mary. He's a great prophet. He's going to come, he's going to come judge the earth at the end of time. Um, he, uh, he, he is not understood. They don't understand him as a son of God. And Samir made this radical statement. I thought, you know, it's crazy. He, he, he was so concerned about this, this teacher that she was going to go to hell. And I heard somebody at my table, and I just, I want to press us a little bit here. I just want to press us a little bit because of the news that we see and the, and the biases that we had. I heard somebody at my table say, huh, isn't that interesting? A Muslim caring about a Christian. See, that's the bias that we have. We think all this or that. There, no all is anything. He was genuinely concerned, very concerned about her. And when he talks about Jesus, he weeps. I still don't know where he is in that, and it's not my job to convince him. It's the Holy Spirit's job. But I, I, I was stunned at my table that someone would, would carry that kind of narrative that no Muslim would ever care about anybody else. So he made this statement, and I'm going to leave it this. This will mess you. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, you're right, right. If you're liberal, this thing's too conservative. And if you're conservative, this thing's way too liberal. When he said this, I discovered that for me to be a Muslim, I had to follow Jesus. <laughs> I have to follow him. Now, 
Understanding what that means, this is complicated. We don't have this all figured out. But Samir has rattled that breakfast. Every, every year he comes and says, I told the guys, get ready. He says, I have my comments here I have made, but I'm going to leave them and speak. Every year he puts his notes aside. And it just rocks that room, right? So let me tell you how the, the leadership at the National Prayer Breakfast looks at this. They relax. They relax that a guy like that is in the room. He wouldn't have otherwise been in that room if it had been a Christian meeting or a Baptist meeting or whatever. They relax. And see, in the American church, what we do is we have a formula. We think you have to become and then belong. You have to become a church of God. You have to become a Baptist. You have to become a, a Roman Catholic. You have to become this, and then you belong. Then you're part of the family. That's not how Jesus worked. Jesus said, come be with me. Come hang out. And so what the guys at the prayer breakfast do, they hang out with these guys. They say, come belong. And in the process, they don't try to beat anybody over the head with the Bible. The Holy Spirit begins to work on them, and then they become. Uh, uh, Tim Coe, Doug Coe's son, was talking about a buddy from Lebanon who they'd been loving on loving on for three years. He just wasn't getting it, wasn't getting it. Well, yes, I love Jesus, but, but they, didn't, they, they knew what it really meant to know and follow Jesus, like you're talking about. They were in a hotel one night, all quiet. It was in Africa someplace or something like that. And, and Fat Fat is this guy from Lebanon's name. They're all sitting there, real quiet, and they hear this. I get it! <laughs> I get it! It took him three years. How long was Jesus with the disciples? Yeah. And they didn't get it. <laughs> and we and we and we want to and we want to whip out our Romans road. We want to whip out our four. And Jesus is like, let's let's just love them and woo them into the kingdom. Let's love. You okay with this? Let's love the hell out of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Here, here I want you to write three words down because I think what Ray's touching on is this. Three words. Here's the old model. You believe and behave, then you can belong. If you'll believe and behave, you can belong. The National Prayer Breakfast and many other people around the world have turned it around. You can belong. And when you're around enough people and you hear it enough, you might actually believe it. So you belong first. Then you might actually see it in action and believe it. And then suddenly behave. It's a different model here, and it works. And it is the way to include people and involve them and let fa our Father do the work. So you'll notice I'm going to have to steal the mic yeah. from one of these guys back and forth. <laughs> the, the, other, the other impressive thing about the Wednesday breakfast in that Middle East breakfast is you don't know who you're going to sit down with at the table. Um, this year, Cliff and I sat at a table, and we were there first, and these other guys just came and joined us. On Cliff's right was a defense contractor, an engineer that works for a defense contractor in the Middle East, and uh, they're, they're working, you know, distributing uh, resources in the Middle East, and him and his wife were there. And then on my left was a Marine uh, who works in the Middle East as uh, security forces, and him and some other Marines are working on uh, protecting diplomats and, and things like that. So Cliff had a great uh, conversation with the defense contractor on his right, and we just got to kind of sit there and listen as he absorbed uh, Samir talking about uh, his love of Jesus, and uh, we, we got to hear another young lady sing. And uh, many times what we hear in that room are 
Muslims asking Americans to stop sending bombs to the Middle East. And when you're sitting in that room, and it's hard to think about, you know, what have we done as a country? And they often, at least Samir, every year apologizes for what's happened in America. It's, it's fascinating. I, this guy beside me who's a defense contractor, I, I just looked at him. I, I, called, I, got, I said, hey, relax. Don't try to figure this out. Don't try to understand this. Don't try to download this. You should go watch a movie this afternoon or go roller skating. <laughs> this is too much to handle. Trust me. I called him and I said, please don't try to deal with this right now. He said, oh, thank you. Because I'm telling you, it's too much to hear and handle. Now, we're going to go to Wednesday night, okay? This is a guy, Jonathan Lee, who's a pastor in China who was with the Oklahoma delegation. You, you were impressed by him. Would you like to talk sure. to him? Would you like to talk to him? Just for a second. Just for a second. <laughs> you can hold, hold it. <laughs> if you haven't figured this out, this is called a Sanders sandwich. That's right. <laughs> I'm sitting at the feet of the masters. Here. <laughs> well, Jonathan Lee uh, is a pastor of, of a church in China. And, and again, the mainstream media doesn't really uh, you know, give us all the information about what's going on in China. And so Jonathan shared uh, a lot about the work that Jesus is doing in China. But the thing that really impressed me the most about the people that we were sitting with <laughs> Uh, there's two other couples there with Jonathan from China, from Beijing. One of them is a couple from Nigeria. And they're missionaries from Nigeria to China. And the other couple, Ray, I'm not sure where uh, where the doctor's from. The, the guy with the books? Yeah. Um, actually, they're Somalian. Somalian. So, you know, we're sitting here in Bible Belt, USA, thinking that we're the people that need to go as missionaries to the world. And we're there sitting in a room with the world going as missionaries. Mm. And we, Charlotte and I have had some experience with that in Honduras, where we have a great uh, friend that's a pastor in Roatan, one of the poorest churches in Roatan, gathers up a group of people to go as missionaries to Cuba. And so I just want to impress on you guys that, you know, really it's not so much about Who's going to go? But Jesus is going to find somebody to go. Yeah, it's, he, he, we really enjoyed being with Jonathan. He's a he's a great guy. Then Wednesday night we had another speaker. Uh, this is Nick Ripkin. I, I wanted just to refer you to a couple of things real quick. We can't tell you everything about this guy. He's a missionary. He wrote a book called The Insanity of God, uh, and his story is basically this: He and his wife went to Somalia because he wanted. To, he was at, on the the slide there. By the way, I'm being very techy today. You'll notice there, there's a sheep among wolves. And this is Nick's question. Does the gospel only work in easy places? Does the gospel work where you're surrounded by lambs? Or does the gospel work when you're surrounded by wolves? Now that question came to him because he worked in Somalia at one point, he and his wife, where there were four Christians in the entire country. And on Easter Sunday morning, his middle son died of an asthma attack at 15. It shattered him. It shattered his world. Does this work? Does it matter? He then and his wife left and began 
a project. He said she thought what we were doing was trying to find out what's going on in the persecuted church around the world, in China and Russia, all around the world. He said, I, I was lying to my wife. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a research project for me. It was a question of does the gospel work in hard places or not? And he's an earned PhD. He's a missiologist. Uh, his story would take us all day to tell you. Uh, but he told in, in graphic terms how Christians suffering in prison. I told y'all last week for a moment about this Russian pastor that was in prison for 17 years. And he interviewed him and met with him. And I'll tell the full story someday. But this Nick Ripkin guy, uh, we were all sitting there uh, uh, from the Oklahoma delegation and just riveted by a guy that was saying, I believe now, he said, I had questions. Does the gospel work just the lambs among the lambs or does the gospel work the lambs among the wolves? And he said, it does. And uh, he's written a couple of books. Any, you guys, anything? I, it's, okay, all right. Uh, and then uh, the, the Thursday morning, uh, is the National Prayer Break. This is, for, for many of us, I mean, this is okay, but as you can tell, the banquet at Oklahoma, the Middle Eastern banquet, these other things, we're all jazzed up. We're just, you know, they, they always tell you to, the breakfast is really bad, really bad. They tell you to eat before you go. Uh, it's just, a, it's some cold bagels and some fruit, and they walk by and throw one of those uh, uh, quiches they bought at Sam's and slides across your plate. Uh, but uh, this, they always have a special speakers like that. This year, Roma Downey, uh, touched by an angel, and her husband, Mark Burnett, the first husband-wife uh, 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 team to ever do it. It was fascinating uh, up there to watch them. And then Andres Bocelli uh, spoke, uh, uh, sang rather, uh, in Italian. Um, you know, we're, we're, going, we're going to sing some of his songs for you, but we decided We could. Not. Yeah, we decided not to. Uh, Bocelli sang was in always, in all, and he always has something to share. And then the president uh, this year, again, as every year, uh, speaks. He used his text this year. He, it, was, it was probably the most reflective I've heard him and most personal. Out of 1 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound. He talked about we live in frightening days. And he said on several occasions, he gave the quote of Abraham Lincoln, this office has on many occasions driven me to my knees with the knowledge that I had nowhere else to go. And uh, that's one of Lincoln's great statements. And uh, said, to, uh, said to us, he said, he believed that Jesus was the antidote to fear. It's the only antidote. Told a couple of powerful stories about that. And that's always a, it's always a, a meaningful time for people to gather together and see our... And he said this, and I, and I commend him for this. It has for the last several years. He did say this, and he has in the place claps. He says, I just wish we all could take the spirit and the love and what we learn here in this room back to our offices. And, of course, all of us are clapping our heads off saying, yeah, why don't you all try that? You know, <laughs> be a good idea. Uh, you know, we, we all uh, have political biases and things like that, but we all try to leave them at the door to say, could we learn somehow to not be so judgmental to each other and lift Jesus up? Because he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw the people to me, not to us. And so it, it, it was, a, you guys have anything about the program? Well, every year, the big reminder for me is, you know, this prayer breakfast goes on in Washington, D.C. every Thursday. Uh, there's a group of congressmen and women that get together every Thursday morning from, from both sides of Congress. Uh, like Cliff was saying, they leave their political agendas at the door. They get together and they talk about Jesus. 
And it's a, you know, again, the mainstream media is not uh, focusing on how well they get along um, and, and are able to get together and talk about Jesus. All we get to hear about are the disagreements. Now, to me, the most difficult thing and part of their job, I think, is is number one, to leave those political agendas at the door and then get together and just talk about Jesus. But then to go back onto the to the House floor, the Senate floor, and then represent us as their constituents, uh, knowing that they just got to have a great time with their Christian brothers and, and followers of Jesus, and then go back and have heated debates about things that they strongly believe in, whether it's something that we believe and agree with politically or not, their, you know, their constituents and their part of the country you know, have those beliefs. And so I think if we can find a way to uh, just look around our tables and our neighborhoods and, and even right next door, uh, there's people that we don't necessarily believe with, you know, what they believe, their religion, their politics, uh, but we can still love them in the name of Jesus. Yeah, yeah that, it was a great time. I got to say one thing. Ray saved us this year. I somehow got confused that I thought the National Prayer Breakfast started at 8.30. By the way, you know, when it gets to the Hilton, six blocks are shut down when the president starts getting there. And so we went to bed, and I told Gary, we'll get up, we'll leave about 7.45, and we'll get in the Uber, because I'm an Uber expert now, and we'll get there. So I set my alarm at 6.15, and I do what you should never do. Jeremy Kubitschek has written a book called Five Gears with Giant Worldwide. says you should never check your phone the first time you get up. You're addicted. I check it. Ray sends me an email and says, it's at 7.30. I called Gary at 6.15. I said, you have 15 minutes to get ready. We have to be in the lobby here in 15 minutes or we're not getting there. We looked a little disheveled there in a couple of places, but Ray saved us for sending that text. Then after that, at lunch, we go to the Thursday luncheon. And I want Ray, because Ray knows this lady. This lady, as you may know, is on Times Magazine, one of the 100 most influential people in the world. Uh, she's also won an award from CNN, the CNN Hero Award, and Ray knows a lot about this. So, uh. so I, I alluded to this a little bit earlier. Um, sometimes, coming from the Bible Belt, uh, we struggle with this Protestant and Catholic thing. And I'll be honest with you, the first time I thought about uh, hooking up uh, and being in uh, Uganda with Sister Rosemary, I thought, okay, I'll go and I'll do my deal. The Lord humbled me. Huh. And uh, if you ever wonder if a Catholic can know Jesus as their Savior, just look at Sister Rosemary. Yeah. Because I, I have learned that in order to get to Matthew 28, you have to take a journey through Matthew 25. And Jesus said, I was hungry, I was sick, I was in prison, uh, I was a stranger, and you let me in. And, and the testing of our faith, a lot of times, isn't so much whether or not we checked a box on a card, and it's not whether or not we say to, said a certain prayer in a certain way. It's how we live out our life and, and manifest, uh, how Jesus manifests himself in our lives to prove that we have, in fact, as we like to say at water for, uh, still met Jesus at the well. Mm-hmm. And we know him in such a way that he becomes our Lord and our Savior and our only hope of salvation. I can tell you that Sister Rosemary gets all of that. It just so happens that they call her sister, you know? <laughs> And, and so, so part of what you see when you, you're around this woman is this big ball of joy, just an amazing heart. She's the Mother Teresa of Uganda. I do believe that the Catholic Church will bank her a saint at some point. But this is a woman who has stood between little girls who have literally had their hands or their faces slashed and machetes put from the front of their mouth to the back and cut open with their jaw hanging open. And she has stood in, in the face of Lord-resistant army 
soldiers and thump them on the chest and says, my Jesus says, you leave my girls alone. Mm. And you don't mess with Sister Roseman, let me just tell you. But here's the other side. Uh, I had an opportunity. I, you know, I, I'm a Baptist boy. I, I think I've been in a Catholic church twice. And so <laughs> Sister Rosemary asked me to come over to her house. And I'm like, this, you know, with my with my friends, I'm there. And this is the other side I think you should know about her. You'll see her on television and other things. And she's just a joy to be around. But she made dinner for us. And when she's in her home, she takes off her hair, head covering and everything. And it's like, whoa. Like, we really are friends. And, um, and, and so, and, and I'm a Baptist boy, and, you know, she's going to the fridge, and she ain't getting out Dr. Pepper. And, uh, and I, I had water. Sure. I did. But here's the thing that was fun. My son was with me, and so he has his guitar, and he, he's, a, he's a worship leader and all. And we did some worship songs, and we're there, we're there with the other sisters, not just Sister Rosemary. And we start to play around, and they said they love country and Western music. <laughs> Africans, Tom can tell you, Africans love country and Western music. And so my son, you know, he's a typical uh, hipster kid. He's like, country music? He, the only song he knows is the one I taught him. It was Johnny Cash, I Hear the Train of Coming. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is the odd, most awesome thing I've ever seen. I got it on videotape. So he starts singing it. And, you know, well, those sisters, man, you can just tell they're like, oh, they're African sisters. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> next thing you know, they they had a few of those things that came out of the fridge. And, uh, and they were up doing the train of coming, baby. <laughs> they were getting it done. And it was so fun. But the, the, here's, here's what I would say. Um, just like, you know, there's, a, there's an education fund for Dr. Tom that we're trying to raise some funds to put him. Uh, I would love to have him as a surgeon on the front line, uh, being the hands and feet of Jesus every day. If you're interested in Sister Rosemary, we can help you. Water Ford does things with Sister Rosemary. One of Bob Goff's teams, the young men drillers that are part of Water Ford, we always have needs for water. She's always trying to get us to uh, get more water to her. So if you're interested in Sister Rosemary, then feel free to come up and see me. But she's an awesome lady. Hey, Ray, now tell them, Ray took, it was on television here, the pros. Who, yeah, um, so about in 2010, uh, as a part of Giant, um, I worked, I got together, uh, came up with a name. A lot of people don't realize Pros for Africa. Worked with Reggie Whitten on uh, something called Pros for Africa. We took four uh, OU athletes, a lot of medical doctors, and Pros for Africa has really embraced uh, Sister Rosemary as much as anybody. They, Reggie has a real heart for her. And basically what they do through Pros for Africa is they find ways of supporting her efforts. They have a sewing, uh, uh, they call it a tailoring school. And so one of the things that she does, and it's kind of like the Water 4 model, Sister Rosemary recognizes it's one thing to give somebody a hug and say, go in peace. It's another thing to empower them with a job skill or something that's going to sustain them, right? And that's what we do with Water at Water 4. We put people to work. Well, the sister gets it. So she's part of what she does is she has a tailoring school, and she teaches these young men, women. There's a, um, there's a documentary you can go and Google. It's called Sewing Hope that Derek Watson has put together. It's, uh, it's an award-winning documentary called Sewing Hope. There's also a book that's out by the same name, and you can learn about her work. And if you're interested, Cliff, yeah. just have a get with me. Yeah. We can hook you up. Yeah. Now, after that, we're just wired out. We go to this place called the Cedars, and we're going to have to hurry. We've got just a few more minutes here. The Cedars is a place that this group that puts on the National Prayer Breakfast bought as a place for people to come and talk about Jesus out of the paparazzi. Uh, you might go there someday, and you might walk by a room where the Supreme Court justices are having a Bible study. Uh, there are heads of state 
uh, that have come there uh, uh, that nobody knows about. And these people just come here, and there are people that volunteer to stay there, take you to the airport, drive you where you ever go, just to give people a place to talk about Jesus. It is a fascinating place. Gary got to go that this first time. You, you have anything you want to say about that? Real quick. So again, the, the impressive part about being at this house is to just stop and walk around and think about all the people from all over the world that have come to visit at this, this home uh, under the uh, heading basically of, of coming together to talk about Jesus. And uh, these are leaders of countries, diplomats of countries, warring countries and warring factions of different countries coming there to get together in a place of peace where they can, uh, again, put aside their political agendas and, and just be around people that are loving on them. This will be the last thing I will, I will probably say unless Cliff insists. But I, 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 want, I, want, I want you to catch something at this very juncture. The fellowship has the National Prayer Breakfast, but they established a house where people could come and find peace, where they could find and discuss Jesus. Now, don't miss what I'm telling you here. What is your house? What is your cedars? How is your house being used in your your neighborhood. You see, a lot of times we as people of faith in our, our in our country, we talk about going out and reaching the masses and going out and being overseas and going doing this. And what Jesus is saying is, go find the one. Go find the one. Go find the one in your neighborhood. Here's, here's, here's a question that pierces me deeply. I had a Muslim brother ask me one time, have you ever been to a Muslim funeral? It broke my heart. I, I've not been asked to come to a Muslim uh, funeral. You know why? I don't have any Muslim friends. I just don't think that's how Jesus would have done it. Now, I don't, I'm not saying I'm a Muslim. I'm not saying I want to be a Muslim. I'm not saying I agree with Muslims. But how am I going to reach a Muslim if I don't have any Muslim friends? Mm-hmm. But maybe I can invite them into my cedars. Maybe I can invite them into my house. Maybe I could relax. We wouldn't serve any bacon or pork or anything like that. But we could have a cup of tea, and we could talk about, tell me about the Jesus that's in the Quran. And we could talk about the Jesus that's in the Bible and just see what might happen if we love the one that's right in our neighborhood, right by us. So that, yeah. that's that's. Yeah. Awesome. And there's a book on the back of this that I'm going to recommend. It's uh, uh, by a Muslim about understanding the ch- tensions between us. It's a f- great book. I, re- I started reading it last summer. The other thing is we met at the Cedars. Is this we? And, and part of the part of the goal here, we're not going to have time, and I, I want to talk some more about this in the weeks to come. But really, the prayer breakfast is to say. Invite your friends to walk together to talk about Jesus. We met some guys from Tulsa at the Cedars. We'd been with them some. But they told their story. Three guys in Tulsa that met at OSU were in the first leadership, student leadership. And for 41 years, they've covenanted covenanted to walk together. They get together and they read a little scripture, but they pray and they talk. And I was talking to some friends of mine last night. How in the world could we learn as men to walk together? to share our lives with no agenda, no big deal, just to center around the teachings of Jesus, like Doug Coe said. Some guys got him together and said, we're going to have a Bible study. What should we study? What should we talk about? He said, why don't you study Jesus, and when you exhaust that, you can move on to something else. (laughs) But what about men? If we would look back on our life and say, for 41 years we've been together. We've walked together. We've prayed together. We've been together. I don't, I don't know how to do that. We're going to talk some more about that. But the Cedars is a place where people have done that. Now, the last guy, we'll talk about him. Ken Blanchard, y'all have all read books by him, One Minute Manager. Ken came and, uh, and uh, uh, talked to us. And I, I love what he said. He uh, is now the chief spiritual officer at a Presbyterian church in California. He, uh, they're without a pastor. And he preaches every once in a while. He said to his church one time, he said, you're not the customer. 
The people outside these walls are the customer. I'll never forget that. Ken shared about Leading Like Jesus. There's a website there if you want to go to called leadinglikejesus.com. Ken was, came to Christ, came to Christ late in life. Bill Hybels had a real influence on him. And he has been writing and talking about Jesus as the greatest leader ever. So go to that website, leadinglikejesus.com. Now, we... Yes. Say more about Ken. Steal that from me real quick. Uh, you may know Ken Blanchard uh, from writing the One Minute Manager. Those of you that have been in business classes or things like that. And on the slide, uh, Cliff has leading from the heart, the head, the hands. Uh, but the fourth thing that he talked about was the habits. And he wanted us to focus on the habits of Jesus. And I thought this was uh, pretty interesting that when you read the Bible and you think about what were the habits of Jesus, he focused on solitude. He would go away by himself to pray. Uh, he studied the scriptures. He prayed. He was in a small group. He had a, a group of him and 12 men. And uh, he trusted the un unconditional love of his father. And, and Ken really brought that out in this uh, leading like Jesus. That's one. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. Okay, we met some friends that we've known for a few years. I've talked to you guys about this. This is Teresa Goins. She has a cafe or a, a, a restaurant in San Francisco. If you go out there, you need to look it up. It's called Old School. She has been awarded an award several years ago by the FBI Director Mueller. She's been on CNN. She was a probation officer in uh, San Francisco area and worked with felons and, and cried her way home every day and said, this isn't working. She quit. She decided she would start a restaurant and start working with convicted felons. She has a vetting process, how to get with them. And they would put together a restaurant and these kids would run it, handle the money, buy the stuff, learn to cook, do it. It's a four-star restaurant on Yelp in San Francisco. She's a little blonde-headed girl. I don't know how she ever did it. Uh, Gary and I said to Teresa, Teresa, you're our hero. We don't know. We're talking about bringing her to Oklahoma City and get some people together to say, we want to replicate this. This is having all kinds of, of, of stuff in San Francisco. We met, the, we met the mayor of Ocala, Florida that was with her. They're going to try to replicate it there. But can you imagine giving kids hope? She talks about these kids. They live on the street. They're felons. Their families have kicked them out. And now they have a restaurant and a job and they feel good about themselves. And it's a great place to eat. Okay. We met Anna Madeiras. I'm going to tell you real quick about this. This is always the struggle for me. Anna works with uh, refugees in Lebanon, and she's just a little girl, and I think she's the bravest person I know. And I said to her, Anna, I have problems here. I have problems here. I said, would you help me understand this? You see, I know that some of the teachings of Jesus are hard, and they're not easy. And I said, I know that Jesus said, I am to love my enemy. And I don't know how to do that. I want to fight my enemy. I want to subdue them. And I said, Would you? and so she's on the front line working with Syrians. And I said, how do I love my enemy without releasing that enemy to kill my neighbor? He said both, didn't he? You know, that's, isn't that the struggle? I've got friends that want to get on one side or the other on this thing. Just love your enemy, love your enemy, love your And then let them kill everybody. And then I know other people that just want to fight and do everything. And Anna said this to me. She said, Cliff, that's the issue. She said, but I can only tell you this, that I'm so thankful for some of the protection of the United States. And, and I still think that's an honorable thing. But I don't think we can quit asking the question, how do I love my enemy? Not hate him, 
love them, but not to love them in a way that releases them to kill my neighbor. This little girl's right in the teeth. This isn't an abstract concept with her. She's been tear gassed in Palestine. She's done videos all around the world. Now, her dad, Carl, is the guy. That, then this next one, next friend, Sammy Awad, we've talked to you about him. Sammy's an American working in Bethlehem with uh, Christians, Muslims, Jews, the whole, the whole thing uh, about trying to bring people together for peace. He's a rock star in the world. Uh, the fact that he's our friend blows Gary and my mind that we know him. But look him up. Sammy Awad's working diligently. Uh, we got to see our buddy Paul Young. Paul's there. Uh, we had some time with him. He's got a movie coming out. You know what? They made The Shack into a movie. It's coming out in October. We had a great opportunity to talk with him and share with him. Meet his son. And Paul's always there. Everybody's grabbing him. You know, it's ridiculous. He can't walk through the Hilton uh, lobby. You know, is he just terrible? Uh, and so it is wonderful. And then these two yard birds here. Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> these two yard birds here. Uh, we took this picture. You know Dan Reinecke. Dan has been a part of our class, and Dan's had some things that he couldn't go this year. And every year that we go, we go down to the Starbucks uh, uh, place, uh, and, and we call it Dan's Starbucks. It's right down on Connecticut, right down there. And so Gary and I decided uh, we'd take a picture. But we both feel so privileged uh, to have been able to attend. Gary and I were able to go this year by ourselves. With We met Ray and them there, but Gary and I had some time together. And I can just tell you, this is a guy right here you want to get to know. Gary Shaw is one of the kindest, one of the most faithful followers of Jesus. You want to get sort of know Ray. I mean, not really. You don't really want to know him. <clears throat> not, not as much. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know. You know, Gary and I, we didn't have an agenda. We didn't say we had to figure something out. But we just said we, we want to walk together. And we have this experience and, and opportunity uh, to, to have walked together at this time. And I love him. He loves me. And he puts up with my craziness. And he doesn't have any craziness, <laughs> but it, it's that he knows about. Yeah, that I know about. Now, here's the thing: what happens in D.C. can happen in OKC if people are willing to walk together and follow Jesus into His concerns for the world. Drop your denomination. Drop. I mean, I, you know, I'm part of Church of God, which is the greatest denomination in the world, right? You know, y'all, y'all all know that. Sure. Drop that. And unwaveringly change your language. Start talking about Jesus. Speak his name. When you talk to other people, you raise him up. You lift him up. He's the one who can draw. He's the one who can convince, not me. I can't tell you the pressure that's taken off of me. When I can just talk to people about Jesus. You think he's a prophet? That's great. I think he's a son of God. We can talk. But keep following Jesus central to your belief and your behavior. The first year I went, I, I called Becky. I told you, I was walking down Connecticut Avenue and they just wrecked me. And I said to her, Beck, I don't understand how I've gotten this so gone. That's a good East Texas word, gommed up. I don't know how to spell it, but I don't know how I got this all gommed up. I, I love theology. I read theology to relax. I love the church. I love ministry. I love that. But I said, somehow in the midst of all of this, my attention and my awareness of Jesus has been less. In my life first now is John 5, 39 to 40. Go read it. When Jesus said to a bunch of people, he said, you search the scriptures 
That sounds like a good thing. (laughs) Because you think that in them, the scriptures, you have eternal life. But it is these, the scriptures, that testify about me. But you won't come to me that you might have life. I teach the Bible every day. I love the Bible. There's no life in the Bible. It's in the person of the Bible. It's in Jesus of the Bible. And so on your resources in the back there, I want to press you a little bit. This crescent of the eyes of the cross. I had all kinds of biases about Islam because I grew up in America. I have all kinds of biases. This guy will help you understand how... We've got, those biases have gotten in place and how they really block us from really being able to have friendships with Muslims. Like Ray said, I know a group here in town called the Sparrow Project. They're down by Penn Square Mall and they, 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 they uh, 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 mentor and tutor children of Muslim families that can't speak English. And they're just being friends to people. They're just being friends. There's no evangelistic service. You don't have to memorize the four spiritual laws. But that, So this crescent of the eyes of Christ. Then speaking of Jesus by Madeira, you need to read that. This other one by Jeff, Jefferson Betke. Jesus is greater, as the sign, greater than religion. You got to read that book. And More Jesus, Less Religion by Arterburn. Get one of these books, and especially the first one. We as Americans need to understand what it is about our thinking and our understanding and our life that, that, that keeps us from being able to be friends. With Muslims. I wish we had some time for questions, but we don't. You got to go to church, and uh, you know, you're, you, you know, the, the the statute limitation on your tithe check doesn't run out if you miss church. Okay, I've checked into that. But thank you, Ray. Yeah, I just want to make this as a closing statement. One of the, you guys know how great of a teacher we have here in Cliff Sanders, and how blessed we are to have him every Sunday. And uh, yes, yes. Ma'am. And, and Ray is the CEO of Water 4. I mean, there's some amazing things going on through Water 4. We're so fortunate to have Dick and Terry Greenlee as part of the Sunday school class and the things that they're doing all over the world. But the cool thing about hanging out with these guys at the prayer breakfast is we get to just kind of wander around and, and run into people that are, that are pretty awesome, pretty awesome people. But we ran into one of Cliff's friends, Dr. Sam, in the hallway, who's also a professor uh, from Mid-America, uh, an online professor, and he made this comment while we're just sitting there, and him and Cliff are talking, and I'm just standing back listening to the, all this. <laughs> I'm a professional listener. But he said this. He said, when, when people ask, you know, what do you believe about the Bible? He said, I believe the Bible is the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God, and his name is Jesus. And so I just want to close with, you know, keep our eyes on Jesus and he'll lead you in the direction that he wants us to go. Thank you. Hey, God bless you. We'll be around for a few minutes. Uh, Let's pray and we'll be done. But uh, if you have questions and we probably don't have answers, but you know, you can ask them anyway. Jesus, help us. Help us to keep you at the center of our hearts and mind. Help us to enter into your work, not ours only. Help us to find our place, as Ray had said, when you wink at us. You put somebody in our path. You put an opportunity in front of us that we would, uh, with confidence and hope, walk into the future as a follower of Jesus. Thank you again for this great, great privilege, for these great, great friends. And we pray all this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you.